when a white shark is trying to get you, there's nothing that you can do. I mean, this animal can get 45 kilometers per hour. They could be one ton and a half. There's nothing stopping that. They are ambush predators. Once I was by myself and I was surrounded by seven, I felt like a prey. This episode of the No Notions podcast is both terrifying and fascinating in equal measure. We hear from a great white shark expert to ask all the questions you've ever wondered about the most feared predators in our oceans. We find out what it's like to dive with great white sharks, alone and without a cage, the closest he's come to a shark attack, and something that totally blew my mind. He believes that the sharks he encounters actually remember him. So for the next 40 minutes or so, once again, let's open our minds and shed our notions. This is the No Notions Podcast. Please leave your notions at the door and come on in. My guest is Dr. Mauricio Hoyos, a great white shark expert who's worked with the likes of Discovery Channel and National Geographic. He's a really respected figure in the field of shark research and conservation and was responsible for some massive breakthroughs in our knowledge of great whites, such as discovering how they sleep and how they attack in deep water and not just at the surface. I'm an absolute nerd when it comes to great whites, so I took this opportunity to indulge myself. He has got some of the wildest stories of great white shark encounters you will ever hear. At times whilst recording this, I literally felt sick to my stomach with fear. So let's get into it. And of course, I start this episode with the most obvious question. What do you think of the movie Jaws? Well, actually, uh, I fell in love with the white shark because of that movie. I remember that I was a little kid and when I saw it, I, I really liked that animal a lot. And instead of uh, having fear, I was super interested. I don't know what, what happened inside of my mind that really triggered something. And it was released at the beginning of the summer when everybody wants to go to the, to the ocean. So I think that it was the perfect setting to, to really create this uh, monster in the in the mind of of humans. I wanted to really understand: is, is he really a monster? Is he really what we saw in that movie? I realized that they they were not what what, what people really believe. Because when you are face to face with these animals, when you get to see that, uh, that they are so majestic, they are so beautiful, and as soon as I hit the water, it's amazing how everything changed. In, inside of my mind in, in a few seconds. And, and that happened with everybody. We have two kinds of persons, people that love sharks and people that are super afraid. And they want to face that fear. They are scared. And they are asking me, what should we do if, if, the, if the shark attacks the cage? And do you have a, 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 a first aid in the boat? And they are thinking about the, the, the worst case scenario, right? Because of the movie. As soon as they hit the water, I, I think that it takes seconds for them to realize that is not what they thought. I mean, this is a beautiful and majestic animal. It's like the perfect animal right in front of you. You have had that image for years and years and years. And suddenly, in a few seconds, everything, everything changes. So you're a researcher 
and you've worked with Discovery and National Geographic. Um, one of your most famous breakthroughs is finding that great whites attack in deep water. Tell me about that. I was in a, in a, in a symposium in Hawaii, 2010, about white sharks. So all the specialists from all over the planet were there. And I, and I set my hypothesis. Uh, I found with telemetry that the sharks go deep in front of the seal colony, so they are trying to attack the seals in deep water. And all the specialists, I, I mean, back then I was younger, I was super young, and, uh, and all the specialists told me, Mauricio, no, white sharks do not attack in deep water. That, that's, no, no, that's not happening. So, so they, they believe that they only attack where? They only attack, like, uh, on the surface? Yeah, from 20 meters to the surface. I mean, that's, that's what happened in, in California, in South Africa, because that's what we knew back then. But there was a producer, uh, uh, I think that he was from Discovery. I, well, he was working for Discovery, but anyway, he told me, Mauricio, I heard what you said in your talk, and I believe in you. So I, I, I will help you, but you have to give me some time. And I, was like, I, I didn't know what he was talking about. Two years after, he called me. And he told me, I have the tool that you need. And then he, we got in, in a, into a call. And I was with these engineers from Goodschild Institute. And they had this amazing device that is called automatic underwater vehicle, which is like a torpedo. It's like a two-meter to torpedo. Uh, and you have to set a transponder in the shark in the, at the base of the dorsal fin. And that, that transponder sends a signal. And then you release the AUV. And the AUV follows the shark for three hours and a half. But, the, but this device has sensors, so it can measure temperature, depth, speed, topography, but also it has six cameras. So we were able to follow this animal for three hours and a half, but also to see what the shark was doing. And when I saw the AUV, it was yellow with white. And I told him, it looks like a fish. And they're like, no, 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 don't worry, nothing is gonna happen. First day, we, we tagged a deep blue. I don't know if you have heard about this beautiful female, the biggest white shark ever. We saw her in that, in that, in that expedition. That was back in November 2013. I've absolutely heard about that. And I want to touch on that in a sec for sure. Yeah. So, so we said that the transponder and we follow her and, and, and the device that they suddenly told me, Mauricio, do you know if there's a current or something down deep that the, the AUV is moving very awkward? You know, like, uh, not that I know. And, and the engineer was like, no, no, let's retrieve the AUV to see what happened. And when we saw the footage, I mean, it was amazing how these white sharks were attacking the AUV, but not deep blue. I mean, the transponder was on deep blue and the AUV was following deep blue, but the AUV was attacked by other sharks, by other white sharks that thought that it was a fish. And we got nine attacks, the, the shallowest 96 meters, the deepest 267 meters. So that was the first time that we had the proof that the white sharks could attack in deep water. So Deep Blue is the name of a shark, right? Um, and it's famous because it is the biggest shark ever recorded at 20 feet. Um, and from what I uh, believe, you were the first to find it, right? Or you were the first to, to film it. Is that correct? Deep Blue became viral <laughs> she became i mean i had like 20 million views in that in that uh, uh video but when we saw her in 2013 she was huge i mean my boat it's 6.5 meters 
and we took a, a picture with a drone, and it was the same size. I mean, it was really, really big, an amazing animal. So 20 feet uh, is a standard two-story house, uh, the size of a standard shipping container, a bowling lane, uh, and also or two basketball hoops stacked uh, on top of each other. Tell me about seeing her. We were in, in my boat, and the, and the boat started to move, <laughs> like in the movie, and then we saw her. She was scratching under my boat. But every time she did that, the, the move was rocking. Like, oh my God, what is that? Like in the movie, when I saw her, I was like, oh my God, this is the biggest shark that I have seen in my life. And you can see, because they filmed that. And, and you can see my face that I'm like, oh my God, because she was really big. To see a great white shark at 20 feet, that's the size of your boat. And it's literally scraping the bottom of the boat. Were you not scared at all? Yes. I mean, to be honest, I mean, I, I, I have seen big sharks in Guadalupe. But never as big as that. And, and, and it was not just long, but, but the girth. I mean, it was so huge. It was, it was uh, we, we actually, we use that phrase from the movie that we need a bigger boat. We're going to need a bigger boat because we really, we really thought that we needed a bigger boat. So I forgot about that film, about that video. I, I keep it, I kept it in, in my, I don't know, in my computer for a few years. And then I uploaded in 2015. And that's why, that's when she became vital. In one instance, a diver actually looks to give the shark a high five. That's what it looks like anyways. Yeah, in that case, it was just Joel. He's the dive master. And he was on the top of the cage because he was pushing her away. Yeah, it looks like they are giving a, a high five because he was pushing her away from the pectoral fins. What's the approach to diving with great white sharks without a cage? How do you approach that safely? Just if you are doing research. I mean, you cannot do it as a tourist. I needed years and years of experience. I mean, this is not for everybody. You have to be very confident. In nature, everything is about the attitude. If you act like a prey, you are a prey. And, and these animals know that. I mean, you must, actually, when they come to you, you must hold your ground. You cannot swim away. Because what happens if you do that with a dog? If the dog is barking, if you run, <laughs> it's going to try to get you. So in this case, if the shark comes to you, you have to hold your ground. And actually, when they come closer, you have to swim towards the animal a little bit, and then they go. But, they, but you must show them that you are another predator. Once I was by myself uh, retrieving an underwater receiver, and I was surrounded by seven. They are hum ambush predators, so they always try to get you from behind. So, But if you are looking... Okay, they, they know that you are looking and they, they do not come that close. Actually, when I'm by myself, I have two mask, masks. I have one here and one here. Because sometimes you cannot, I mean, when I was with seven, imagine that you have seven animals and you must look at all of them. At the same time, it's not, it's not easy. If the water is murky, I never do it. Never. Because the animal knows that you are there. They have all these sensors. They can hear perfectly, they can smell, they have all these amazing set of sensors that they know that you are there and you cannot see them. So, so that's the key. Visibility must be really good. Why would you be diving on your own with great white sharks? What situation would bring you to that? So I have like 12 underwater receivers all over Guadalupe and I have to retrieve them every year in order to change the battery, get the information, clean it and put it back. And that's why I needed to be, because those devices are at 30 meters. I mean, 90 feet. I mean, you cannot use a cage to, to, to get there. So I needed to do that. And that's when I started to be outside. I mean, not because I wanted, but because I needed to. Mm. 
So what did you what do you do in that scenario? So there was one where there was maybe six, seven sharks, and uh, as you said, you you know you don't have eyes in the back of your head, right? So you have to keep looking around. How do you navigate that situation? Actually, at the beginning, when I was by myself, I was using a full mask, and I was in touch with my captain. Uh, we had uh, this this device that uh, is like a microphone, so you can call. And when I was in that particular situation with the seven animals, I told him, go to the shore. I will try to go to the shore as close as possible to the bottom, and I meet you there. So he was following my bubbles from, from, the, from the surface, and I tried to go to the shallowest point because that's the best place to go out. The, the worst case scenario for you to be is to be in midwater or at the surface. And that's why I told my captain, wait there and uh, please release the ladder. So when I was there, he was ready. And I was just for a few seconds, choo, 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 <laughs> claiming the ladder and going up. I don't know how to explain this, but to be honest, I mean, I don't know if you have, if this happened to you, but sometimes you, you, you can feel that someone is looking at you and you look and it's looking at you. I mean, you, you feel that in that particular scenario, I felt, I felt that someone was looking at me. And when I looked, I saw this female, but you can feel that she's interested. I mean, I felt like a prey. My captain was in the boat because I was free diving. And as soon as he saw that female, he put the boat between me and the animal. And, and I went up and, and I asked him what happened. And he told me that shark was going to get you. And I thought the same. But but it's it's because of the, the the position of the animal. I mean, you can see that. I mean, you can tell when an animal is getting ready to get you. Have you seen the cats when they are about to get a fly or something? I mean, you can see that they are get, getting like the perfect position for for the ambush. That happened to me twice. But that's the thing, and that's why I'm telling you that it's very important to know their body language because as soon as I saw that behavior, I went out. If you cannot read that that's a problem because then when a, when a white shark is trying to get you there's nothing that you can do i mean this animal can get 45 kilometers per hour they could be one ton and a half there's nothing stopping that <laughs> has there ever been a time where somebody has got injured or have you ever witnessed a, a particularly bad incident or anything like that once it happened to me that uh, i was doing a surgery on a galapagos shark but we had the shark outside in a platform because I needed to, to set a transmitter between the pectoral fins. So we had the shark upside down and uh, two guys were holding the shark because I was doing the surgery. And I told him, are you holding the animal properly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they were not. So suddenly the animal released and it, it beat me just with the corner of the mouth in, the, in, the, in my leg. And I was bleeding really bad, but it was just the corner. I mean, it, it was not like a real bite. And, and the animal was stressed. I mean, it was outside of the water. We were doing a surgery. So I totally understand that she was just trying to, to survive. But that's the only situation that, that I have had. So what, what would be the most dangerous? Is there a particular time that would be the most dangerous to be in the water or, you know, around great white sharks? Dawn, our dusk are the best scenarios. I mean, the, the, the predators look for those times of the day because it's, I don't know if, if, if you fish, but fishermen, when they go fishing, they go at dawn and dusk because the angle of the light, it's perfect for, for the predator because the, the surface of the water reflects, but 
if you are a predator from underneath, you can see the silhouette perfectly. But from above, you cannot see anything. So the animals look for those particular times of the day to, to look for their prey. You've been studying great white sharks for over 20 years. Is there any trends in their behavior that, that you notice over those 20, 20 years? These animals really are very smart. I mean, uh, in Guadalupe, when, when the boats arrive, what they do is that they throw a rope with a piece of bait, right? In order to get the attention of the, of the, of the white sharks. And they are in, at the stern of the boat, at the starboard and port side. And so they throw the, the line and they pull that in the direction of the corner of the, of the cage because that's the strongest part of the cage in order to avoid an accident. And the sharks, at the beginning, they are trying to get the bait from in front, right? But the guy is pulling the bait, so it's very hard for them to get the bait. But next time, maybe next day, when they come, they do not come from in front. They always come from behind and from underneath. So they learn and they adapt according to, you know? I mean, they, 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 they are learning. Okay, the, the bait, it's like this and it's coming this and the guys are looking this way. So now I will come from behind and, and from underneath. So it's, that's amazing that they, they look for the environment. Okay, it's happening like this. What if I do this? I mean, I have, I have found that the first days, it's, it, I mean, it's easy for the handlers uh, to, to handle the bait, but then you get to see that the sharks get more baits <laughs> because they, they learn. I, I heard in an interview that I, I, um, I, I read before, um, before getting you on, and you mentioned that there is a sort of belief that you think that maybe when you encounter the same shark, that they remember you. Is this true? Totally, totally. I have a, I have a, a pole spear. Uh, it, it is a golden pole spear. It's, it's made of aluminum. And when you try to take a biopsy or to tag an animal, sometimes you, you cannot get the biopsy, so you shoot, but you injure the animal. When you try to take another biopsy, they, they go away. As soon as they see the pole spear, because I have to, to get ready, they, <laughs> they disappear. It's amazing that they are, oh, oh no, that hurts. And they relay that. They are, no, no, no. As soon as I see that, and now I was in Malpelo in Colombia a few days ago, and I was trying to, to tag Galapagos sharks, and these animals are super smart. I mean, as soon as they saw, because we were three divers, and they, they were getting super close to the other two divers, but they were not getting close to me because they know that I am the one that is going to get them. That's absolutely insane. <laughs> So like that, like you say that that is a crazy amount of intelligence to learn at that speed as well. You know, if, if you take land animals, a lot of them wouldn't learn at that pace. I mean, there's one thing thinking great whites are not intelligent, right? But then there's the rate of, of adaptation and learning that you're describing there, which is way above that, right? Like it's not only are they not stupid, they're actually super smart. Is that the biggest misconception you've experienced? Totally, totally. Actually, I remember that when, when I was in Guadalupe for the first time, when the dive master was giving the briefing, she said, uh, the size of their brain is the size of my thumb, so they're very stupid, so you have to be super careful. These animals are not as we thought. I mean, they, they really learn. That's why they are so su successful. I mean, they have been 
on this planet in the case of the watchers for 11 million years. I mean, that, that, that is telling you something. Tiger sharks, uh, I think that is French Polynesia, but the albatrosses, when, when, when the babies, when the chicks are trying to fly, I mean, when they are learning how to fly, a lot of them end in the, in the surface of the water. And the tiger sharks know that. And they go year after year at the same time of the year because they know that they will have a free meal because the baby albatrosses are learning how to fly and they will be at the surface. So they remember that. I mean, it's okay. It's happening in this season. I will come back next year to the same spot because I will get... In, in Cocos Island, we saw the tiger sharks. I mean, they, they have the, the, the booby birds. They have the, their nests very close to the rocks. And so the baby is there, the chick is there, and we saw tigers with the tail slapping, splashing water to the baby at the surface to, 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 to make it come uh, drop to the water. So imagine that. Is the, is the great white shark in particular, is that the most dangerous predator in the ocean? No, 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 no. The orcas, the killer whales, actually, I mean, they attack in groups. They are big. They are smart. So they, they, they are the real top predators. There's a lot of records of white sharks being killed by killer whales. Is that what orcas live off? Or is it just there are recordings of orcas attacking uh, great whites? Like, or is it literally above it in the food chain and, and, and it is a regular occurrence, should we say? For instance, in the Gulf of California, we have a group of orcas that it's killing everything. I mean, they eat seals, dolphins, turtles, uh, fish, sharks, race, it's crazy. And they know how to disable each kind of prey because, of course, they are different, right? In the case of sharks, they grab them by the tail, they put them upside down. And I don't know if you heard about this, but they go to something that is called tonic immobility. So they do not move at all. And then they grab their pectoral fin, they pull, and this part opens and the liver goes out and they just feed on the liver. They have found a lot of carcasses of white sharks just without the liver. They do not eat the rest of the body. This stuff blows my mind. It actually does. Um, what about the species that we don't know? I'm particularly interested to get your opinion on this, right? Because the ocean is big, it's very deep, and there is large, large quantities that haven't been explored by humans and scientists. Do you think that there is anything else out there that we just don't know? I think that th there's a lot of uh, uh, things to uh, understand. And, and, and I have been in submersibles and it's amazing that when you go in a submersible, sometimes you get to see new species in a submersible because you do not have access to that uh, very often. So I think that there's a lot of things to, to find uh, in the future. And I really like that. Down deep, there's a lot of things that we do not know. I think it's the imagery of like how, how deep the ocean could be and what sort of lurks <laughs> beneath, you know, that has me so fascinated, interested to kind of see if there's been any like clue of, of anything deeper. Maybe you don't have the answer, but just something that's been like, there has to be something bigger there. Yeah, I, I have that feeling. I think that, yes, I mean, there, I mean, this is a, a huge planet. I mean, and, and, and the deepest part of the planet is like 11 kilometers. So something has to be there. 
no? But I think that thanks to technology, we are getting to know more and more and more. Actually, in Guadalupe, when I was in the in the submersible, uh, I mean, we, I think that we had 20, 26 new records of animals for the island just in a, a couple of weeks. 26 new records for the island that we didn't know. We, we were able to go to 400 meters. That's it. We couldn't go deeper than that with that submersible. But I think that now there's submersibles that can go to more than 1,000 meters. So I'm sure that they will find something interesting down deep. Yeah, the the famous one is, do I have, am I pronouncing it right? The Magadalan, the Magadalan shark. It's prehistoric. Is that is that correct? That's the kind of go to thing. What what do you think about that? Do you think it's possible they're they're still in existence? If you find a recent tooth, that would be something. But most of the teeth are fossilized. You know, I mean. But if you find one that is recent, oh my god, that would be like okay. Now we are talking. Maybe there's something down deep, but yeah, I think that it's very hard that they are still alive. I would love to, but I think that, I mean, all these animals appear and disappear according to different things. And what happened to them was really, really, really bad. It's like something similar to what happened with dinosaurs, with the meteorite, right? I mean, the prey disappeared and that's it. I mean, if you cannot eat, you cannot reproduce and you disappear from the planet. You were the first to film a, a great white shark sleeping. Is that correct? Yes, yes. It was, we wanted to follow the sharks for 24 hours. And when we were following this female, Emma, uh, during the night, and when we saw the, the footage, it was amazing that they are in that part of the island, in the southeast uh, of, the, of the island, because there's a really strong current from the north to the south. So they are hitting that current in the opposite direction with the mouth open. And they just move very slow, very slow, because they have, they must breathe. They must move in order to breathe. And that's why they go to this place with a lot of current, because they can just open their mouth and keep themselves on the same spot. And we knew that it was sleeping because the AUV started to get closer and closer and closer. And then when the AUV hits the, the shark, you can see the reaction of the animal. And it went away. It never saw the AUV coming. And that AUV has very strong lights. And the shark never saw it until it was hit. And then boom, you can see the reaction of the animal, how it disappeared. Does, do, do, do they close their eyes? Like, what's the visual on a sleeping shark? When they are... Uh, Patrolling, you get to see that they move their eyes and they are looking. But in this case, the the eyes were like motionless. I mean, they were like because it was sleeping. They they do not near their vision when they are. When you make a breakthrough like that, or when you see something that possibly is the first time, that must be an amazing feeling. What's that like? Actually, that that hypothesis of the attacks in deep water. I remember that I felt super bad when, when I talked in front of all these well-known scientists from all over the planet in, in Hawaii. And when I saw their faces, I mean, when they were like, nah, this guy, he's just, he doesn't know what he's talking about. You know, I mean, I felt super bad, to be honest, because I, I was a young scientist back then and I was trying to make a, I don't know, to, a, a name and, and, and you know, to, to show what I was doing. I was super depressed uh, when, when, I mean, because I thought, Maybe, I mean, you are talking with all the specialists of the planet, the white shark specialists. And if they are saying you that it's not happening, maybe it's not happening. 
But there was something in the back of my mind telling me, no, 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 but you are in a different part of the planet. You, you are tracking these animals for 24 hours. I mean, you are risking your life because we were in a little skiff during the night away from everybody. And, 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 and I think that what nature gave me was this award because that's how I felt when, when we saw this footage. I mean, that feeling that, yes, for years and years, people didn't believe what, what I was saying, but suddenly I have the proof and, and, and we got it with, with an amazing device and we have the footage. <laughs> yeah, that's the, the best feeling ever. Do you have a most memorable dive? Um, like what, what was that dive like? Take us, take us on that dive with you. Yeah, I, th- oh, I have several, but once uh, I, I saw that every time that I tagged the juvenile, it remained in a very shallow area for, for a long time. So we decided to dive there. And, and we saw like three little juveniles at the same time. But it was amazing that they were hunting me. I mean, because as I told you, they, they are trying to see if you are a prey or not. But they were working together. And they, they were working like velociraptors. They were coming at the same time and from different angles. I, I, I have one coming from the left, another one from the right, and another one coming from behind at the same time. The concept that, that, that the sharks are working together to hunt prey, right? Um, how are they communicating? There were six or seven sharks, you said, in, in, in one instance that were surrounding you, and you, you sort of figured that they were working together. How are they communicating to find the role of each six or seven? Because they're all going to be doing separate roles to all, you know, achieve that one goal. Like, is there any idea of how they are communicating their roles in that scenario and how do they fall into place? How do they align together to to do that? This is what I think. And again, this is my hypothesis. And a lot of people do not believe in me. Body language is very important for them. Actually, they do something that is called a display. In the case of the white sharks, what they do, the ones that I have seen, is that they open their mouth and they keep it open. We call it uh, gaping. They keep it open and they show all their teeth. So the other ones are like, oh, oh no, 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 no. Okay, okay. Okay, that's it. The size is very important. We, we have something that is called the parallel swimming. We have seen this behavior. And you get to see two sharks that get super close to each other snout with snout, and they measure each other in order to know who's bigger. And the one that is bigger is the one that stays close to the bait. When they are similar in size, that's when you get to see most of the displays. They hunch their backs and they move very awkward. I mean, you can really tell that they are not moving uh, naturally. So I think that most of the communication with the white sharks is visual. So when you say your most memorable dive, this was a scenario where you went down, free diving, no cage, and you realized that these sharks around you were somehow communicating. Totally. And they were synchronizing. When I started to see that they were coming from different directions at the same time, I realized that they were using a a tactic, you know, to getting closer and closer and closer. And suddenly there was a big, uh, a female, uh, a small female, two meters female, and she was the one getting closer and closer to me. So as soon as I saw that she was like the leader, I swam towards her. And as soon as she saw that, oh, she respected me and everything changed. You know, I mean, I was like, okay, who's the leader? Okay, she's the one. I have to prove myself to her 
that I can also protect myself. You said earlier that you um, you wear goggles on the back of your head. Why? They're ambush predators. They will always look for your back all the time because they do not know if you have claws. I mean, I have seen the, the California sea lions. They bite them or the northern elephant seals. They have claws and they scratch them. So that's why they always try to get you in the back. Because if they get you in the back, what they do, in the case of the seals, in the northern elephant seals, they remove the lower part of the body. So you cannot move because they move with the hind flippers. And then they, they wait a little bit until you bleed out. And then they come. They don't want to get injured. So that, that's why I, need, I, I always have a mask here in case there's a shark behind me that I, I couldn't see. So what you're saying there is that you believe that the goggles you're wearing, the shark is registering that that is your front, that that is your face. And by putting goggles on the back of your head, the shark may also register the goggles as your face. You, th you really think that the shark is noticing our face? I got this idea from India. Uh, I, I saw this documentary of these tigers and, and, and the tigers were killing people in India. And these uh, guys started to use uh, like a bandaid or something in the back of their, of their head with two eyes. And, and then the, the, the attacks of tigers decreased. Because also tigers are ambush predators. I mean, land tigers, you know? And, and that's what I thought, oh, what if I use a mask? <laughs> and I did. And to be honest, I never got a shark approaching to me when I was using that. How are they realizing a, an animal that's not from the sea has a, a front and a back? And like, like, how do you think? Like, how do they understand that? I think, I think that when they see that you are looking at them, of course, your body moves accordingly to your vision, right? I mean, if, 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 if you have a shark that is in front of you, I mean, you position yourself in order to be ready in case something happens. So they realize that, oh, okay. So it's looking, oh, so maybe these are the eyes because they know that we all have eyes. In the case of the, of the, of the white sharks, they are super visual. And I have, I have seen that plenty of time. They have big eyes. They have a, a special muscles in those eyes that actually keep them warmer than the rest of the body. They have the same uh, uh, radio of rods and cones that we have as humans. So it's, uh, they are highly visual. And so, so they know that, that our eyes are very important. It's amazing. In a weird way, it does make sense because like all animals in a way have a front and back bar, maybe some sort of weird jellyfish style animals, but the majority of them have eyes somewhere and have a, a front. And the fact that, that possibly wearing goggles on the back of your head may deter them is, is amazing. It's amazing to, to think about it. Actually, it actually blows my mind. Um, the importance of sharks in our ecosystem, right? They're needed to control the food chain. What would happen if, if, we, they started to die out or whatever. What's the trickle-down effect on the food chain? Yeah, for me, sharks are like the immune system of the oceans. I mean, they, they keep in check the population of their prey. They feed on the ill organisms, the old organisms, the dead organisms. Uh, so they keep everything in control. They keep the, 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 the marine ecosystem in check. There's some examples when... Uh, when the sharks disappeared from certain places, there's a bay uh, in the U.S. Uh, and it was really good for fishing for seashells, for humans. 
but they also at the same time depleted all the sharks. And when the sharks were gone, the rays came to that area and they were feeding on all the sea clams. So that local community was destroyed because of, of that. I mean, the sharks were not keeping in control the race. When the sharks were gone, the population of the race increased and they depleted all the seashells from, from that area. So that's a really good example of what happened. If you do not have the top predators controlling the population of the place. Hmm. It's interesting because it's something I you never think about because you look at a predator, you don't necessarily look at them as a victim often. Um, but then when you look at it, everything has its place in society. There is a knock-on effect of that. Um, so it's, it's, it's fascinating. It's fascinating to hear. The top line with sharks is, is fear, right? And people don't get in, this, in the ocean. And that's where we started this podcast, right? It was about Jaws and, and the fear it instilled in people. What do you say to people who don't want to swim in the ocean because of sharks? Unfortunately, it's getting very difficult to see sharks. And this is happening all over the planet. I mean, when they tell me, what, what, what should I do if I see a shark? I would be like, enjoy it. That's what I say, because it's very hard for us. I mean, you have to go away. Uh, for me, I am working in islands because close to the shore, it's, it's hard to see them. And that's, that's because of us. That's because of humans, because we do not think that they are important. And they are super important because that's going to affect us. I mean, because we think that now if they disappear, that's not going to get us, of course, because there's going to be a problem with the balance in the ecosystem and that's going to affect fisheries and that's going to affect humans. But people never relate that. According to a lot of scientists, we have less than 50 years to make everything different. I mean, we have to change a lot of things. If we don't do that, there is no way back. So we must realize that we are just about on time to make a change and, you can, and we can make this change with little things from your house, you can make a big change. If you save water, if you save energy, if you do not use plastic, I mean, there's huge changes that you can make. You, would, you wouldn't think that it's big, but if we all do these things, it helps. Even if you live in a city away from the ocean. Thank you so much for your time. Um, and thanks so much for indulging my interest in, in great white sharks. It's been absolutely fascinating. And at times it's blown my mind, you know, some of the things you, you've spoken about. Thank you so much. And please spread the word. Sharks are not bad.